Welcome to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing with hot topics, best practices, exciting guests, and innovative ideas. I'm Luann Brossman. I'm the president and founder of Government Marketing University. I'll be your co-host today, along with Steve Watkins, who is our chief content officer at GMarkU. Hey, Steve, how are you today? Glad you're here, as always. You know, it's... um. Cybersecurity Month, we're, we're taping this in October, and it's a really exciting time because it really does bring the government and the industry together to talk about cybersecurity. And it's an awesome way for us as well as GMarkU to provide a lot of great cybersecurity insight from former government, current government, and industry on cybersecurity. So by listening to the program today, our listeners will walk away with a lot of new information and insight to make sure that their marketing campaigns around cyber are going to be the absolute best that they can. So let me do a quick introduction of who we have today. And our listeners will be really excited to know that throughout our segments on Market Chat today, you're going to hear a lot of information that was even news to me, Steve. I mean, I every one of these that we do, I learn stuff. And how cool is that? So I'd like to start out by welcoming Wanda Jones-Heath. Wanda is the Air Force CISO. Welcome, Wanda. Thank you, Luann. It's my pleasure to be here. You know, Wanda has 28 years in government. Talk about a, a gold mine of knowledge, you know, for Market Chat. We also have Joe Brendler. Joe is a retired Major General with the U.S. Army, and he's got 31-plus years of government experience, another wow factor of bringing knowledge to us. Thanks, Luann. I also want to say what a pleasure it is to be here. Okay, well, we're excited to get a lot more information out of you. Um, And we also have Lisa Sherwin-Wolf, who I've known for a long time. Lisa is the Senior Director of Marketing for SolarWinds, and she's got over 15 years in government marketing and over 20 years overall marketing. And I always say that um, government marketers can really bring a lot of strength when they've got commercial marketing also in their mix. Because it, it's good to understand the foundation. It's good to understand how the corporate world works from a marketing perspective. So I think what you're going to hear from Lisa today, where she's giving some real-life case studies on how she has worked her cybersecurity marketing magic at SolarWinds, is going to really help us, as well as from other you know, experience that she's got. Um, and we also like to thank our, our overall host today, Federal News Radio, which is part of the Federal News Network. You know, this is our 11th episode, Steve. Isn't that exciting yeah. for GMarkU? And, and we just really are so honored and proud of our partnership that we have with uh, the Federal News Network team. And we're excited to be back here again today. So, Steve, I'm going to pass it over to you because you're going to start talking with both uh, Joe and Wanda. And I think it's just going to be great what we'll learn from you. So go ahead and take it away. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Luann. So I'm very excited because uh, our first two guests are uh, about as steeped in uh, cyber the cybersecurity world as anybody possibly can be, uh, and they both come from the DOD community. So, uh, so this particular show is really going to um, cover predominantly the the DOD environment uh, as it relates to cybersecurity. So uh, we have. Wanda Jones-Heath, of course, Air Force CISO and uh, retired uh, Major General Joe Brendler from the Army. Uh, We're going to hear a little bit more about some of their previous assignments because they both figure also uh, uh, very largely into the cybersecurity uh, context. But uh, Wanda, I'd like to start with you, uh, if I could, and just tell us a little bit about your position as the Air Force CISO, the Chief Information uh, Security Officer, and uh, specifically how you figure into Air Force planning and procurement activities as they relate to cybersecurity. Okay. Uh, once again, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to speak with you today. Um, one of the things that I um, have on my um, uh, lap right now is the, the lead for cybersecurity for the Air Force. And what that means is I am the one who provides the cybersecurity expertise to the Air Force CIO. Um, big um, opportunity, big job, and I'm having fun. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, October being Cybersecurity Month. Well, for the Air Force, we want to do better than that. We want to make sure that cybersecurity is at the forefront all the time. So October kicks it off, and then we end next year, 2019, again with, with Cybersecurity uh, Kickoff Month. So yeah, we're I trying to say do something to mm-hmm. that. Because I think that's a great tip for marketers, right? Because marketers focus, must do all of our cybersecurity marketing in October. Listen to what Wanda just said. She just does it year round. So marketers, 
make sure you're also paying attention to that cybersecurity around. So that's a really good tip already. And you just started. Oh, thank you. Um, and also, um, one of my major roles is to look at the risk posture for the Air Force. Um, we're talking about a $17 billion um, enterprise, and it's more than just our IT. We have our operational technology. We have our platform um, information technology. So it goes from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, one of my major uh, goals this year is to also impact the culture. We found that we have all the tools, all the processes, and all the the people. Um, but we need to understand that cybersecurity is everyone's business. It's not just the IT community. We want to make sure that the airmen on the flight line understand that the things they do when they use their laptops and, and plug it into a potential weapon system, that it has an impact. So we want to make sure that the message is very clear. Cybersecurity is everyone's business. So you're reminding me of Back in the uh, World War II days with the, what is it, loose lips, sink ships, posters <laughs> everywhere. But but that's essentially what it takes, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, we're using the safety model. You know, back um, years ago, it was just the big campaign about safety. Well, we want an even bigger campaign about cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And Wanda, you're, before becoming the CISO, you were the deputy CISO for a number of years. And before that, you were overseeing the mobility programs uh, at at the Defense Information Systems Agency, uh, so I imagine that experience really must have have uh, has uh, informed a lot of kind of your approach to cybersecurity uh, now as the Air Force CISO. Can you talk about that? Absolutely, at DISA, um, bringing in the mobility capability for the Department of Defense was huge. Um, I had to partner with number one industry as well as the other services. So that was my first opportunity to really get my feet wet with dealing with the Army, the Navy, and some of the other um, agencies that required service from DOD and from DISA. So that served as a good um foundation to understand that it's not just about the Air Force. Um, For cybersecurity, we're all in it together. For mobility, we're all in it together. Um, The things that we deal with in the Air Force is not unique. Um, Industry and other services also have the same issues. Um, We just need to make sure that we are working in the same direction and that we understand that um, even though we may think we're unique, we're really not. Right, right. So how does the Air Force kind of currently take on the task of surveying the marketplace for the cybersecurity technologies and solutions that it needs? And, and do you think this approach is, is working well so far? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I've um, worked on um, since June is really looking to see what are the best practices in industry. Um, just because it's not invented within the Air Force or another DOD agency doesn't mean that it's not a good solution. So I like coming to events like this. I like going to other conferences because I get to learn as well. I get to see what's out there. I get to see what the newest thing that um, is being talked about. Um, I have a lot on my plate, and I can't always have the solution sitting um, and waiting for me. So I I like going out. Um, I also do a lot of reading, um, a lot of um, LinkedIn and other ways to where I can connect with my sister services as well as the industry. Um, it's very important that we not discount um, solutions because we didn't invent them. Right, right. And I would imagine one of the one of the big challenges that you probably have, not just Air Force, but across uh, government for that matter, but uh, and that is um, the the this, the traditionally slow pace of the procurement process. And and obviously, there's been a lot of efforts to try to accelerate that. But uh, how does the Air Force uh, try to um, you know, really keep pace with the, the, the pace of change happening in, in the cyber landscape. So one of the things um, that is very clear, the adversary never stops. Um, they are always moving and maneuvering throughout the networks, both DOD and industry. Um, and we have to do the same. 
we can't um, continue to wait for the acquisition process that takes years to bring in capability. And so what we're doing is we're um, taking on more innovative approach, um, using industry as a way and a foundation to move and bring in new capabilities. Um, the Secretary of the Air Force, as well as the Air Force CIO, is very adamant about doing things faster. Um, Agile um, software development, bringing security on the forefront, working with our acquisition community to ensure they understand that it's not just about cost, schedule, and performance. Now you have the fourth element of cybersecurity, and you must address that up front during your planning, during your requirements development, as well as your development cycle. And so one of the things that um, I try to do is I work with acquisition community quite frequently. Um, I spend time with them to ensure that what they're doing, they can do cybersecurity up front. I don't want to be Dr. No, I want to be Miss Yes. <laughs> and so one of the things that I do is I'm open to hear um, their requirements and then try to figure out how do we do it smartly and securely. Um, another challenge I, I can imagine that that may come up um, is that so much of the new technology and new capabilities that are emerging in the marketplace are coming from small startups or from companies that are very commercially oriented and, and may have no interest or, or understanding of the DOD environment. So do you ever worry about kind of missing out on technology? technology or capabilities that you think the Air Force may need just because they they might uh, reside with companies that aren't really accustomed to DOD environments or, or procurement practices? Oh, absolutely. And, and one of the things that we um, want to do is you want to capitalize on everything that's out there. Right. Then how do you do that? Um, we do have DIUX. We have um, CyberWorks. We have Air Force Works. Those are opportunities for any industry, um, whether small or big, to participate in what we're doing. Um, the SECAF has put a lot of energy behind um, Air Works. It's an innovation um, platform where you can bring your ideas forward. Um, and that's a good way for others to see what we're doing. Also, reading the National Defense Strategy, the DOD Cyber Strategy, um, those are things that uh, we hold dear and near to our heart for cybersecurity. And being aware of those um, objectives could help smaller uh, organizations um, come into the DOD. Great. Great. So, Wanda, I have a question on that. So the National Defense Strategy and the DOD Strategy, that's public information, right? Oh, absolutely. So where would marketers and salespeople on the industry go to find that? Um, you can just merely Google the, t the terms and it will come up. Um, there are classified documents that, of course, industry can't see, but there's a great summary out there right now that talks about um, the national defense strategy and how it links back to the um, uh, DOD strategies and how they're all linked back to ensure that cybersecurity is at the forefront. So it's the National Defense Strategy and the DOD Cyber, cyber Security Strategy. Cyber strategy. Yeah. Okay, listeners, we'll make sure to post that as well on our website, but great insight. Yeah, and we're, we're going to be talking more about those in the next segment, and, and those are brand new documents. They just uh, were released in, in September, so uh, definitely pay attention to those. Joe, let me, let me uh, turn to you. So before you retired in uh, 2016, you had an extensive career in, in cyber-related positions uh, in the Army, the U.S. Cyber Command, uh, the Joint Staff, DISA, and other DOD organizations. Um, perhaps you can briefly tell us what some of those positions were and then explain kind of what you saw in terms of how those organizations uh, approached the task of surveying uh, the cybersecurity marketplace for their needed technologies and solutions. Sure. Thanks, Steve. I just want to touch on the last four jobs that I had, which covers about the last 10 years of service. I started there as the chief of staff at DISA. Um, from there, deployed to Afghanistan and was sort of the senior comms IT and cybersecurity guy for ISAF and for U.S. forces. So it's both NATO and U.S. authorities in Afghanistan. And then served as the director of architecture, operations, networks, and space. And for a period as the acting deputy CIO G6 in the headquarters of the Department of the Army in the Pentagon. Uh, from there, I moved to Fort Meade and became the J-5, or the Director of Plans and Policy for U.S. Cyber Command. I did that for about a year and a half, and then for the last year and a half of my career, I served as the Chief of Staff at Cybercom. And I think in regard to uh, the question about how those organizations do in terms of trying to interface with 
industry and get all that there is available. I think, generally speaking, they do a pretty good job across the board. I'd particularly compliment DISA on the way it does a very predictable forecast industry, very extensive work uh, making it available. You can go in person, you can stream it uh, over the internet and get from their actual program managers, what are the specific requirements that they're seeking and what are the timelines that they expect to actually release request for proposal or request for information uh, when they actually ha plan to uh, conduct the solicitation, in other words. I think um, in terms of uh, what I saw in Afghanistan and Army in general, understanding that Afghanistan was predominantly an Army ground effort, um, I was very impressed with the result of what was obviously uh, continuous interaction with industry to uh, take commercial off-the-shelf capabilities and put them in the field quickly. Mm. So it wasn't quite like it, but I used to joke that it was almost as if we took forces who had a whole suite of communications and IT stuff, and instead of deploying with all that stuff, we actually sent them passed Best Buy on the way to war. <laughs> and so they have the most uh, latest and greatest stuff. And then at Cyber Command, um, most impressive was the way that they formed a capabilities development group to actually have a locus within the headquarters from which to do agile acquisition practices to interface with industry and the Cyber National Mission Force, which is located within the headquarters of Cyber Command, uh, and be able to actually rapidly bring to bear the latest and greatest cyber defensive capabilities in particular for the Cyber National Mission Force to keep it on the leading edge. And one particular thing that makes them accessible to industry is what Cyber Command has created uh, called Dreamport. Ooh, Dreamport. We're going to come back and learn about that because we have to go to break. Um, so we will be back. Um, we need to take a break. So please stay with us as we learn about marketing and selling around cybersecurity within the Department of Defense. You are listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is Luann Brossman, president and founder of Government Marketing University. To support next-generation government marketers, we continue to expand our offerings to include more training, networking events, and professional development programs. Go to gmarku.com. That's gmarku.com and subscribe to our e-newsletter and see a calendar of all of our upcoming GMarku activities. Government Marketing University, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing. Welcome back to Market Chat, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Luann Brossman, and I am your host today, along with Steve Watkins, who is our chief content officer. Steve, how are you doing? This is a great program so yeah, far. It sure is. So I'm going to just pass it over to you again and uh, continue talking about DOD cybersecurity for marketers. Great. Thanks. So uh, we, we left it uh, talking with Joe Brendler. Uh, Joe, I'd like to kind of follow up that, that previous conversation. Uh, and you brought up uh, Dreamport, which is a, is a really fascinating kind of endeavor. Can, can you go into that a little bit further? Sure. Dreamport is a cyber innovation collaboration and prototyping facility that's located in Columbia, Maryland. It's also accessible via a website, and it was created by Cybercom through a partnership intermediary agreement, uh, which was awarded to Maryland Innovation and Security Institute. So MISI essentially functions as Cybercom's outsource method of interfacing with industry in order to make sure that there is a continuous channel for communication. Hmm. Okay, great, great. Um, so Wanda and Joe, I'm going to put the same question to kind of both of you, but with Wanda first. Uh, so how does the Air Force think about cybersecurity from a, a procurement or an investment perspective? And, and really what I'm asking is, does it make decisions to invest or buy something primarily from a a burning vulnerability kind of perspective or a risk management perspective or a compliance perspective? What, what are the different factors that go into helping decide what, what actually gets investment put behind it and how it's prioritized? So I'm going to start by saying that the Air Force's um, approach is about risk. Um, we are stepping away from just merely being <clears throat> a compliance checker um, to really understand the risk as it relates to the mission. 
Um, we understand that the Air Force has a mission to do all the time. Um, and my goal is to make sure that we do it safely and securely. So I look at risk um, tools that help me determine what the risks are and understanding how they either negate or support enable the mission. So risk is the term that I like to use. Um, yes, we still have our law, um, FISMA, and reporting that we have to do. But when I look at a system, I look at it from a risk-based perspective. Hmm, great, great. And, and Joe, how about from, from your perspective, uh, from within the Army, Cyber Command, and DISA, what, what were you seeing there in terms of what factors went into shaping exactly where the dollars went? Well, across all of those organizations, I think I saw an emergence of a recognition that cyberspace is something we made, and in particular that the DODEN, the DOD's information networks, constitute a conscious investment in a capability. But the decisions that we made in producing that capability are the same ones that led to the state of vulnerability that we have to address as a cybersecurity problem. So there's an emerging recognition that we've got to buy it and build it right in the first place. Um, I would echo what Wanda said about risk and risk management, although I've seen plenty of people out there who think about nothing but the vulnerabilities and others who think about risk management as if it's a compliance drill and they just want to get an okay from the auditor. But it really is about recognizing that there's an active threat, recognizing the threat's trying to take advantage of your vulnerabilities. You have to be able to identify how that's going to happen and uh, produce mitigations that will reduce the likelihood that it can happen as well as the severity if it does happen. I think that um, the factors that drive the major prioritization decisions that have to take place are pretty complicated, and they start at the very highest levels, going to laws that have been in place by Congress. Klinger Cohen was intended to empower the CIOs, and Goldwater Nichols was intended to empower the Joint Force Commanders, but neither of them really give either of those two entities real monetary authority with which to back up the empowerment that they're supposed to have. So we really have to rely on Title X, which gives the money to the services and in order to deliver real cyber capabilities that are the priorities of the CIO or the Joint Force Commander, you really have to go through a process with the majority of the OSD staff, starting with uh, the uh, CAPE, the Capabilities Analysis and Program Evaluation uh, Undersecretary of Defense, which leads a process that almost everybody participates in, including the services, to figure out, well, here's where we said the money was going to go, but where do we really need it to go? So how the heck does a industry vendor marketer follow the money? Is that like published? That'd be a good thing, Steve, for you to work on, you know? <laughs> um, add that to your list. I but, think from a, from a very practical perspective, uh-huh. the forecasts that I was referring to earlier show you specific Um, values of the opportunities that are going to become available from each of the services, from DISA, Cyber Command, et cetera. Okay, so we'll publish that. And I would also add that if you were to follow the congressional testimony um, of the Secretary of the Air Force, as well as the DOD CIO, Mr. Deasy, um, they are talking about some of the things that uh, are priorities for the department. Um, And those are good indications that um, these are the directions that we're going. Um, We are dead heat in the middle of doing the capability studies and requirements right now. So when he mentioned CAPE, um, I am um, knee deep in trying to ensure that cybersecurity is in there um, throughout um, the issue papers and the requirements. Great. I'm, <clears throat> I want to ask you, and Luann, you and I have both seen this a lot uh, in, in the marketplace and amongst the vendor community, but there's definitely a common perception uh, out there that because cybersecurity does have this high priority and, and high profile, uh, that there's a lot more DME, that is development, modernization, and enhancement procurement dollars out there available uh, for investments that fall in the, quote, cyber bucket versus other buckets, whatever they might be, uh, relating to modernization. So I'd love to hear from both of you. Wanda, maybe you can start uh, your own perspectives as to what extent do you find that to be true? So for cyber investments, um, I think we are spending a lot of money. Um, One of the things that we struggle with in the Air Force is just merely knowing where we spend all of our IT dollars. 
then you want to know how much of those IT dollars are actually going to cybersecurity. Um, we are trying to work that into our budget cycle now of pulling apart um, the IT spends and then within that the cybersecurity spends. Um, I think due to the nature of, of the adversaries' um, attacks and th- due to the nature of the new strategies, that cybersecurity is getting um, a lot of visibility, which is good. Um, it does give us more uh, voice and a seat at the table up front. Um, we can't no longer be the after fact. So the more we spend on IT and cybersecurity investments, the more we're able to protect our networks, um, the more we're able to maneuver, block, and tackle um, as the adversary moves forward. So I think overall um, we are spending the dollars. Um, where we're spending them is is something we need to work on. Are we spending them in the right places? That's still a question that we also need to work on. But I think overall we are moving the ball. Now, how fast are we moving it? That's a question that still needs to be answered. Right. Joe, what, what's your take on that? Well, I would start with the – I think we have the same questions uh, that Wanda was describing, whether we're making the investments in the right place. I think if you go back to the comment I made earlier about the fact that cyberspace is our responsibility, it's something we made, you recognize that some of that is our IT programs, which delivered a lot of cyberspace, but it's also our weapons programs and other capabilities. And there are cybersecurity consequences of decisions we made in all of those programs. And while there is a cyber bucket, so to speak, associated with a budget that's supposed to be dedicated to cybersecurity, it's not addressing those things. Those are still the problems that are the um, uh, responsibility of those programs. And I haven't seen a corresponding shift that requires those programs to um, appropriately um, allocate the funds necessary to fix those issues. So yes, there is a there is a cyber bucket, but um, it really doesn't get after the problem, which is across the entire landscape. Yeah, great, great. Now, let, we referred earlier to the, the latest uh, national cyber strategy, and, and so we've seen an awful lot of strategy documents, policy guidance, and so forth coming out since the president issued the executive order on uh, cybersecurity a year ago, May. Uh, so we've had the uh, the new command vision uh, from the U.S. Cyber Command. That came out uh, in spring and March. Uh, and then, as, as we mentioned, uh, just last month in September, uh, the White House National Cyber Strategy came out, as well as the DOD Cyber Strategy. So uh, Wanda and Joe, I'd like to get both of your takes as to Kind of, what is the bigger picture here? What, how do those documents kind of fit into the 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 bigger perspective in terms of how cybersecurity or the the government's perception of cybersecurity is evolving, and and where does that lead us today? So, Wanda. Okay. Um, so over a year ago, um, the DoD embarked on the cybersecurity campaign plan. Um, the focus was on metrics that talked about cyber hygiene. That was the start. Um, As a result of trying to indicate um, the cyber posture of the DOD and within the Air Force, now we fast forward to the day. Um, We have the executive order, we have all of those strategy documents, and recently the DOD cyber strategy. Um, Those documents are giving me life. Um, Those are the documents that drive everything I do. Um, the first the first question the CIO asked is, how are we supporting the DOD cyber strategy? Uh, what are we doing individually in the Air Force that helps us drive to a risk-based approach, understanding where we are and where we need to go? Um, where do I need to make more investments that we talked about in cybersecurity to drive us where we need to go? So day-to-day, um, cyber hygiene is, is number one. Um, understanding from an acquisition perspective, what do they need to do and invest in for cybersecurity, Um, looking at industry um, to understand from supply chain risk management, um, what are they doing to ensure their integrity. So it's all a big um, um, ball of what are we doing collectively um, to ensure cybersecurity is in the forefront. Um, We're talking more about uh, control systems, um, I, I mentioned earlier, we focused an awful lot on IT, 
Um, now we're looking at our weapon systems more closely, our control system, ICS SCADA, and trying to ensure that we have a total picture and not just a one piece of the puzzle. Also, those strategies have given us more um, focus on workforce development. Um, we have to have a lethal force. Um, and one of the ways we do that is that we retool um, the folks we have. We want to retain those knowledge bases and also we need to uh, recruit. And so all those things um, are my day to day activities because of those strategies. And the more um, the more we talk about cybersecurity, the more I'm able to do and maneuver within that space. Yeah, that's great. So, Joe, let me ask you now that you're um, in the private sector, you're a consultant, you've started uh, your own uh, Brenler uh, consulting company mm-hmm. and, and uh, also with Deepwater Point as a consultant, as a principal. Um, so how are you advising your clients today in terms of how these new policy and strategy documents uh, are affecting the way they need to be positioning themselves as well as their, their uh, messaging? Well, first, I think it's useful for them to read them. Uh, the ones that you've mentioned already, and I would add to that list the joint publication uh, JP312, which is the doctrine manual on cyber operations. So this is a source where um, uh, vendors can find the vocabulary terms that they want to be able to use to describe their capability the way the military wants to be able to consume it. Um, I think also it's um, it's helpful for them to be able to track the programs and opportunities that they're observing and the forecasts I was referring to before back to the intent that is uh, articulated in those strategies. And you'll see that it's possible in every case to find the source of rationale of why that program is a requirement in those strategies throughout from top down from the national through the DOD cyber strategy, down into the command, uh, Cybercom Commander's vision, and, and in the doctrine manuals as well. Great, great. So our, our segment is coming to a close, but I, I thought I'd uh, ask one, one uh, question to each of you, which is what are some of the typical missteps or perhaps even mistakes that, that you've seen coming from cybersecurity vendors in terms of how they're positioning themselves or, or the messaging that they're, they're using? Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, one thing that Joe mentioned is read those documents. Um, one of the things that I want the industry partners to do is understand my current state. Um, don't throw me a new tool when you don't understand what I have in my portfolio already. Um, one thing that um, I am adamant about is tools. We have a lot of those. We're not using them to its full capability. That's where I need to get within the Air Force. I need to have interoperability and integrate what I have with my requirements as they grow. So understand who I am, what I have, and then help me get to where I need to go. I mean, how many times do we preach that, right? We preach that at GMARQ all the time to our marketers and and to the sales as well. You know, know your customer's mission and understand the mission. And I think one of the takeaways as we start leading into break here is, um, I really want our listeners, our marketers, our salespeople to understand that sometimes I think we all get busy on marketing and, and we do the marketing and then we're off to the next campaign. But what we're talking about today around cybersecurity, marketers with their content and their visibility of the industry into government around cybersecurity can truly affect your mission, can truly keep our warfighters safe, and at the end, keep us safe. So this is serious stuff, and and I'm really just amazed and thank you for the service that you do in government and have done in government. And we look forward to coming back where we're really going to start peeling back the onion layers on, okay, how do we tie this into marketing? So uh, thank you so far for all that you've provided. But it's time to go to a break. So please stay with us as we come back and really focus more on peeling back the onion layers on how you really market and become a thought leader in cybersecurity. You're listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is Luann Brossman, president and founder of Government Marketing University. To support next-generation government marketers, we continue to expand our offerings to include more training, networking events, and professional development programs. Go to gmarku.com. 
That's gmarku.com and subscribe to our e-newsletter and see a calendar of all of our upcoming GMarku activities. Government Marketing University, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing. Welcome back to Market Chat, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Luann Brossman, the president of Government Marketing University, and I'm joined today with my co-host, GMarku's Chief Content Officer, Steve Watkins. Steve, we're having a great program today talking about cybersecurity, and I'm excited for this last piece here where we're really going to delve in um, and really zero in on what the marketers need to pay attention to. We're, we're going to be hearing right from uh, Lisa Sherwin-Wolf, who is the Director of Federal and International Governments, Global Governments for SolarWinds, which means she covers a lot of work. She's got a lot of marketing campaigns on her plate. And she's going to share with us today some success stories that she's had. And Wanda and uh, Joe are going to ask a little ad lib as we go along because they've got a lot of information as well to provide to these marketers as we're drilling back and, and really talking about how to become a thought leader in the cybersecurity space. So, Lisa, let's start out with when we're talking about um, doing marketing to cybersecurity in the U.S. public sector. And, of course, you do global as well. And I I really stress a lot of times. And when Wanda said earlier in today's program about um, the field, people, the arrows, the arrow, I forgot what you called them, Wanda, the. The airmen. airmen, Thank you. The airmen um, out in the field. We have Konos and Okonos, right? Local and global. United States military is all over the world. So global is very important. I want to make sure our marketers remember that. Pay attention to uh, all the bases that are overseas and that you're getting visibility and your marketing reach is not just within the, the continental U.S., but what have you found, Lisa, in, in all of your experience, um, and I really appreciate you being here and your, your thought leadership is, is invaluable to our marketers, but what have you found has worked best in your marketing? Webinars, conferences, emails, social media, you know, there's a plethora of options. How do you whittle down what you do? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me and actually listening to um, the others here today talking reinforced the advice that I'm going to give. I really do look at everything, especially if you're talking about OCONUS in the U.S. I learn in a different way than the people on my team learn in a different way than you learn. And it's the same thing with our customers and prospects that we're marketing to. So some people are heavily immersed in social media. Others really enjoy webinars. Some sneak out once in a while for conferences. So as I'm looking at these campaigns, I look at who am I trying to reach? Where are they going for information? And I found having a mix Mm. of those different activities with consistent themes across has really worked best. That way, if someone really prefers email versus they're looking on their tablet, they're reading industry news, they're seeing a piece of it wherever they might respond to best. And it Good takes integrated more and more marketing. Touches. Very yes. smart. And then what, give us a kind of drill down to an actual example of a campaign that you did that you felt was really well produced and well executed. Sure. Uh, I started at SolarWinds six years ago and about a year into my job there, one of the things that I needed to focus on was we had some products that really helped with cybersecurity. We had a SIM product, but people didn't know about it. And how did Mm. we make that credible? How did we reach our audience? So I decided that we should look at doing market research, hear what our customers were talking about, but in a way that let us put news and information out there that aligned with the solutions that we serve. So that first year, we used that research for infographics, white papers, byline articles, press outreach. I think I even talked about it on Fed News Radio one year. Uh, We looked at webinars, speaking engagements, and really wove it throughout the year, social media posts, did things within National Cybersecurity Month, and used that. And by the following year, instead of going to a conference and people walked up and you said, we have this great product, and they just looked at you, people were coming up and asking us about how we could help. And then that has turned into a multi-year We've done the research for four years now, used it to create smaller campaigns, different themes, and really help understand, in addition to reading all the documents that were talked about, what our customers need. Because I think that's really key in cybersecurity marketing. This is not the place to be aspirational. You want to talk about how you can help and not make jokes about it because it's a really serious thing for our customers, especially Absolutely. on the DOD side. Absolutely. And and. Everybody listening in should pay so close attention and write down the notes of what Lisa just said, because that is the epitome of thought leadership marketing. It's not about tooting your horn. It's about helping government with the right information. Wanda, you're shaking your head. I'm I'm thinking you agree with this. Oh, absolutely. Um, One of the things you mentioned is white papers. Um, The ones that I key in on are the ones that are done in a collaborative manner where I see an industry partner 
with a government, um, either federal or DOD, where they've actually thought about how can I apply that in my environment. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, anything to add to that? I would say that what works for me, generally speaking, is a picture. Mm, really picture yeah. says a thousand words it, it does and the fact is that it can uh, effectively communicate at multiple levels of abstraction simultaneously and otherwise it would take an enormous amount of detailed writing to get that kind of information across if i can see that in a picture and it intrigues me then i know i'm going to need to read the white paper that wanda was referring to and get the rest of the story you know maybe an idea is every white paper begins with an infographic right on the cover Makes you open it up. Hmm. Hear that? Making okay, a little notes. tip for like you. Idea. All right, I want to talk a little bit because we've got um, an, an actual CISO in the room today, in the house. Um, I want to really talk about who we market to. We talk about persona marketing a lot and, and agency-based marketing. So, Lisa, I'll start with you. Um, have you found that it's best if you're going in at the CISO level or are you trying to go into the influencer level? Do you touch them all? And then we're going to test that out on Joe and Wanda. Where I am at SolarWinds versus some of the other companies that I've worked at in the past, I do market at all levels. So we have practitioners out in the field, war fighters that are using our software out there. We need to put out content relevant to them, tips and tricks, how to use our software, what are the latest features. We also need to reach the influencers and the CISOs, because I would assume one of the first things that CISO is going to do is go talk to their team. And if their team has not ever heard of the solution that you're pitching, that may be a red flag. So that, that's one of the things I look at is marketing across all levels. That changes a little bit based on the product that you're selling or if it's consulting services. So it's a lot of that knowing your audience. If it's a solution that the day-to-day practitioner really isn't ever going to have a need to use or procure, they're not the right place for you to market. You probably would go up to that influencer and CISO level and adjust accordingly based on your offering. Great. And again, Wanda's shaking her head. I'm thinking she's in agreement with that. How do we find out who the influencers are on a CISO's team? Um, the folks who are actually working that particular product project, um, you know, they go, I encourage my folks to go to conferences, do webinars, um, to stay engaged um, with industry. Um, and those are the folks I will turn back to and say, hey, did you hear about this? What do you think about that? Um, also within the Air Force, and I've spoke about this a little bit earlier, when we look at innovation, we now have a director of innovation um, on staff. Um, and my goal is to uh, connect with her. Um, we are the yin and yang. Um, and we... Yes, innovation is important, but cybersecurity is is just as important. And so between myself, the CTO, and the director of innovation, we are the triad that actually um, try to do the right things within the Air Force when it comes to cybersecurity. I've never heard that title in government, director of innovation. So we are going to go hunt them down and provide that information out to our marketers. And I like also something, again, a lot of this is common sense, but we need to be re-reminded. So marketers do content. You talked about having that perfect triad, CTO, CISO, and now the director of innovation. Message into that. Joe, how about you? Well, one of the things I see um, firms struggle with is trying to get their message across to the senior leader because they perceive the senior leader to be the person who's going to buy it. And the reality is that the source selection committee or the source selection panel is the one you have to sell to, not the senior leader. What you need to do with the senior leader is listen to them because they're establishing the vision and the direction for Meaning the organization. Meaning they're out there speaking. They are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can listen to them in those forums, or if you happen to get an audience with them, seek to hear their message so that you can then incorporate the vocabulary with which they describe the need in the message that you'll use to propose your solution to their source selection committee. You know, I had a, a interview recently with a former uh, government CIO, and she said exactly what you said. And I think, again, something marketers could take to their salespeople. And it was every time, not every time, but most of the time when a, a industry salesperson would come into her office, she would give them 15 minutes because you're all very busy. And she said they would not shut up the whole time. They would just be shooting out all about their products. And she said the number one thing to teach them is to listen to understand, not mm-hmm. respond. Right. And I think that's what you just said. And I think that's something that marketers can take back to the sales team as well. 
right. So let's go back to you, Lisa, because you've got so many great information. Um, what are some advices that you would give to your marketers that are out there listening today to really help them in their cybersecurity marketing? I think it's really important to listen and do your research. You want to look at the publications that these folks have referenced, um, GovOneIQ, Bloomberg, industry websites, federal news radio, the agency websites, set up some Google alerts, really monitor what's going on. But then also go talk to your sales engineers, your sales reps, your BD folks. Sometimes what we're reading in the news is not always what they're hearing in the room. So they can give you helpful That's advice a really good and tip. color so that you can gauge what are the different things that you need across that campaign. Because one message might be what you put out on the radio or in a magazine article. It might be a different message that your person is taking into a room. It might be a different message on a webinar, but they're all part of the same story. Um, testing, try something before you spend a large chunk of your budget on it. See if it works, especially within DOD. Remember that your images aren't going to be there. Cybersecurity is not the, the place to do really wild, weird subject lines that might look like spam. Hey, it's never going to get yeah, opened. Common sense, but sometimes not followed. It, it's... I find it important you want to put yourself in the shoes of the person you're marketing to and think about how they want to receive information. They don't want to have to read four paragraphs before they get to the point. They don't want it to feel like it's something that might put their network at risk when they're doing it. So you want to give them information that's easily accessible without being gated. You, of course, want gated information because you're a marketer. You want to generate leads. But I think it's important to put content out that people want to read and respond to because it's even harder to get people focused on cybersecurity and risk and information assurance to want to give you their contact information, which makes sense because that's their job. Sometimes, and and it's all about the the lead and it shouldn't be. It needs to be exposure. I think sometimes as a marketer, we are judged on leads versus that, that wonderful pipeline that we're hoping we're driving. I want to talk a little bit more about that in cyber because that old age argument, gated, ungated, meaning you have to tell us who you are before you get this white paper that's readily public information. So in the cybersecurity realm, and I'll start with you, Joe, if somebody sends you an email and for some unknown reason you open it because we know it's hard to get emails through, how is it best for you to get that white paper? Do you click on a link? Is it better to fill out a contact form and then the document is emailed to you? So in this world of cybersecurity, how do you best like to get that information if they are going to require you to give them your information? Well, I would start off by saying that I have almost no time for unsolicited information. So it's very difficult to cross that threshold. But if I did see something that intrigued me, and I might go look into it in a little bit more detail, if it fits with an architectural need that I'm trying to satisfy already, then I might pursue it. And that would come in the subject line? Is that what's going to grab you? No, as I mentioned, um, the, the subject line alone probably won't be sufficient. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Wanda? Um, I'm kind of different. Um, I try to read a lot um, because I'm always in a learning mode. Um, I want to, um, first and foremost, um, trying to solve something that I've been struggling with. So most time I'll do a search or I'll reach into my, um, you know, contact list. Um, maybe someone I've ran across in a conference. Um, I will lean on my federal partners, um, then industry. Um, if my federal partners have mentioned something to me recently, I may take a note and go back and say, hey, you know, can you send me some different information? Or if I see an industry partner, the first thing I may say is what federal agency you work with. Okay. Um, and so I try to, you know, kind of attack it from different perspectives. Um, I do try to read white papers. Um, I follow a lot of um, uh, proof of concepts where hmm. folks are um, trying to prove out something. I believe Lisa kind of mentioned that a little bit. Um, and trying to see where does it fit. So I'll, I'll look at a little bit of everything. And a lot of times I will depend on my folks um, down the team to actually bring stuff to me as well. Or, of course, I get an email from the CIO that says go do uh, <laughs> then you something. Go and, do. So, and then I go do that. Okay, great. Uh, we're getting very close to this 
this uh, end of our hour. And, and it's sad because I just have so many other questions. But I'm going to bring you all back if you're willing to come back. And we'll continue these discussions. So I, what I'd like to end with, though, is kind of have each one of you give kind of your parting thoughts. Uh, you're sitting here in front of a room of industry. And what would you like them to take away from what piece of advice that you could provide to them? Lisa? Sure. I think... For me, one of the biggest pieces of advice is don't look at your cybersecurity marketing program if you have a cybersecurity solution as just a six-week campaign. Look at how you're talking to your customers across and your prospects across everything that you do. That, especially in this part of the industry, will really help you improve your results in the long run. Smart advice. Wanda? Make it worth my time. Mm. Um, Know who I am, what I need, and then how you can help me from a cybersecurity perspective and a business perspective. So go and read some of these documents. And and by the way, listeners, as we always do, we will provide a top 10 list takeaway from today's program that will be out on the governmentmarketinguniversity.com website. And we will list out specifically um, the documents and links that you can download them that have been talked about today. I think Steve will also add into this because it was so popular in the past. There's a link that we have that takes you out to free DOD images and graphic images that you can use. So marketers love that. Joe. Well, that's pretty sage advice that you've gotten already. I would just add to it that you're not alone. Most of the work that DOD does and the large efforts that it undertakes is satisfied by a team. So you can learn a lot through the other team members that you'll participate with in an acquisition, such as a large system integrator who's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, really good advice as well. So teaming, collaboration, um, continuing to have industry and government come together, and that's one of our goals. That's something else, too, that um, Federal News Radio, which is part of the Federal News Network that we're on today, does a great job of doing to make sure that they're bringing industry and government together. So but we have to go now. It's been great, and hopefully our listeners, you know, my charge to you is become a cybersecurity thought leader. You've got a lot of great information that has been provided to you today from our panelists. So thank you, panelists, for being here. You've been listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News This is Luann Brossman, president and founder of Government Marketing University. To support next-generation government marketers, we continue to expand our offerings to include more training, networking events, and professional development programs. Go to gmarku.com, that's gmarku.com, and subscribe to our e-newsletter and see a calendar of all of our upcoming GMarku activities. Government Marketing University, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing.